Welcome to Dementia Dialogue. Our series on young onset dementia is reaching a larger audience, and we are pleased to share this new episode, which features a conversation among Cindy and John McCaffrey, who live in Calgary, and Kathy Hickman of the Brain Exchange. Each episode in this series seems to present new nuggets of learning about dementia surfacing in midlife. Our conversation today is no exception. So thank you so much, John and Cindy, for agreeing to speak with me today and share a bit of your insights about your experiences with young onset dementia. It means a lot to us at the Brain Exchange and Dementia Dialogue, as well as to the listeners of the Dementia Dialogue podcast. So thank you both for being here. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for asking us. Yes. So tell us a bit about how you came to realize that you had dementia. What were some of the things that you or others noticed? Well, for me at the time, I didn't really notice a dementia type thing going on. As I reflect back on it, I think I was having some difficulties with details at work. You know, at the time, I wasn't paying attention to that. But what really struck home with me was that people around me noticed that I was having difficulties. So I was quite involved in martial arts and my martial arts instructor noticed that I was having some difficulties and brought it to my attention, wondering if I was getting it. Also, my manager at work noticed that I was having difficulty with detailed things. And um, so it wasn't me myself that noticed, but it was the people around me that were noticing. For me, the the wake up call was um, at work. Um, where I was missing details and having discussions with my manager and, and you know, the position that I had involved details. And so if I was unable to tend to those, then it, it was becoming an issue at work. And so I didn't pay a lot of attention when my martial arts instructor you know, said I was having difficulties. I just took that in stride and figured the next class would be good. And, but when, when it became clear that, that um, the quality of my work was declining, that was the wake-up call for me. At first, the diagnosis was a neurodegenerative brain disease. And the neuropsych said mild cognitive impairment. Um, a year or two later, it was moderate cognitive impairment. And then as future tests and um, we watched the decline, then we could say, yes, it is FTD. Which is, uh, for for those who aren't familiar, frontotemporal dementia. What would you say are some of the things that that may have been more challenging for you having dementia at a younger age compared to someone who was diagnosed later in life? Well, I think probably one of the most important things is that our finances changed right away. When I went on to short-term disability, it, of course, and, and I didn't think about it beforehand, but you don't have the same income level that you did before disability. And so our finances, we had to, that was one of the first things we had to really think seriously about is um, we owed some money on our house at the time. Um, you know, you're in your 40s, your late 40s, and and um, to all of a sudden have, um, you know, a dramatic decline in income. So I think that's one of the, the main things um, was our finances. And another thing that, that was, was um, we had trouble finding support for people with young onset dementia. Um, we, 
we worked our way into the healthcare system to the point where we had a case manager, which was a wonderful thing. And, um, but it hit the, the support services that were available were more for seniors, more for people who are in their 60s and 70s and 80s. And so there wasn't really very much age, age appropriate um, support services. So for me, I didn't really, I don't recall taking advantage of any of the supports. And Cindy, once we had our case manager, then we had some so, a social worker who was great for advice. And so Cindy took advantage of that. I, I, I didn't myself take advantage of that, but I, you know, I supported Cindy <laughs> getting whatever support she could. Um, so that was a couple of things, our finances and kind of the lack of support to get. Yeah, the right kinds of support, right? It's, it's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you add anything, Cindy, in, in terms of what m- might have been more challenging for you with a, with a di- younger diagnosis? Well, I think the financial part is definitely, definitely important, but it's also mm-hmm. the, your identity. When you have a, mm-hmm. a career that's a big part of your life, uh, it's a big yeah. part of your day, you have somewhere to go and you're, you're being challenged and pushed and rewarded. Um, and then you're thinking, you're strategizing, you're enjoying the adventure of a career. And that to me is, uh, that was a big loss for John. He really enjoyed his career and was very good at it. And he was also involved with other things like being a volunteer in, in the community. And um, so a lot of his network disappeared. Um, thankfully he's regained a new network. Um, also some of the benefits aren't available to us. Like the uh, seniors have quite a few benefits. Uh, we were looking into a, a bus service for seniors and said, you know, can you do it for people under 65? And they said, nope, sorry. So I think a lot of people don't realize that we didn't have that opportunity to plan retirement and save and imagine retirement. So that was kind of a blow. But what we did instead was simplify and say, well, we, we might not travel, but we can have staycations instead. You also mentioned, Cindy, that uh, at the point that all of this was happening, when you first were, when John was first experiencing symptoms and um, you were going through the process of a diagnosis, you had young kids that you were, that you were caring for. Um, and, and how did that, that play into your experience of, of having dementia at a younger age? We were always forthright with them. We, we've kept them apprised of everything since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, someone's along the way put us in touch with a, a social worker at a local hospital who sat down with the kids and said, your dad's not stupid. It's just that some of his pathways, like a river, um, are blocked because the, the bridge has collapsed or, or something like that. Right. And so he offered to talk to the kids separately and both of them declined. And I think one of the kids did follow up with another woman, but um, they've just really if they have questions which they rarely did they would come to us and every time john went for a test or a, an appointment with the neurologist we'd fill them in and say this is what's happening um, and that way they don't have to worry and wonder and they know that they can come to us and talk about it if they want yeah how old were the children at the time of john's diagnosis 12 and 17. they were both in school michael i think was in junior high and and katie was in high school so they were uh, school age kids 
And so I'm grateful that their lives didn't get too interrupted uh, by what's gone on with, with me and, and with Cindy. And so the kids, I think, adapted really well. Um, and um, so it wasn't stressful, I don't think, for the kids. That I think keeping them informed of everything along the way made the biggest difference for our kids. Mm-hmm. Having those open lines of communication is, is so important. Yeah. Yes. You bet. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned that was more challenging for, for you having a, a younger age at diagnosis was finding the right kinds of services, services that really met your needs at that point in your life. So um, one, of, one of the things you did about that was you started something called UQuest. Tell us a bit about the program and how it works. Cindy, of course, is one of the drivers behind UQuest. And UQuest, um, one of the things that Cindy noticed, we mentioned it just a few moments ago, was um, I would, when I was having anxiety or something along that line, just not having a very good day, I would, um, you know, walking turned out to be a good thing for me. I could go walk in a park and let my brain think things through. And Cindy started noticing that when I came home from being outside, that I was calmer and happier. And so that was the seed of the idea for UQuest was that a program for people with young onset dementia, if there was a program that was active and you get exercise and you get fresh air, um, that that might be something that would be beneficial for people. And as it turned out, it, it is beneficial. We see that in UQuest today, people going out and we do 10 or I think last Thursday, I was at 22,000 steps that day, I think. <laughs> and wow. it, it included UQuest and I did go walking afterwards as well. Um, so um, the seed of the idea was that I felt better having some fresh air and activity. So that was the, the seed. Mm-hmm. Yes, and also I had been at a support group meeting and one of the care partners had told us how he had to work all day long. So unfortunately he had to put his wife into care and normally she would be walking during the day and gardening and going to the zoo and whatnot because she was only 55. And once she was in the care facility, all of that activity stopped and she would bang on the windows to get out because she was so confined. And um, you don't do, you don't do that at a care home. They don't like that. So they took her off to the hospital and she was heavily sedated and tied to the bed. And this poor care partner, he just said, if only someone had taken her outside for a walk, we could have lessened her anxiety, lessened her aggression. And this wouldn't have happened. Maybe this wouldn't have happened. And everyone in the whole group just thought, wow, you know, that, that this could happen to John. It could happen to any loved one. They could be taken, hauled off and tied to the bed. And we don't want that for our care, for our loved ones. So that was also part of the reason that we started this. And um, the younger people do need a community of their own because most care partners are at the office all day and it's stressful to be at work wondering what's going on at home. You know, is he, is he even at home? Does he take off? Is he lighting things on fire? So I wasn't a very good employee at that time. I couldn't concentrate and um, I found it very difficult to be at work, think about John, think about the kids, think about the future. It was a really tough go. Something that many people will be familiar with is the idea of a day program. This is a little bit different though. Can you tell us about how UQuest works? 
We have wonderful recreation therapists. And so it, they've designed an intentional day. It's not just let's go play games and run around. It's uh, assessing each participant, finding out what they like and what they can do and what they don't want to do, more importantly. Um, so there's a lot of choice involved. We want to build on what they're good at. And if they want to try something new, they're welcome to try that as well. The wonderful part of our program is that we have so many volunteers. So during the day, the volunteers are updated. Um, they know what their participants are capable of and what to watch out for. So it's a real interactive, intentional day. And it's a lot of fun because the participants get to help decide what they want to do and kind of vote on it and say, well, let's week, next week, let's go to the zoo. No, we did the zoo already. Let's do something else. So it's more like real life. What, what a person used to do before their diagnosis, getting out and visiting venues and doing sports in the gym, playing badminton, having lunch with friends. You know, a lot of people, once they have the diagnosis, they might not want to go to a restaurant or their care partner might say, oh, you know, he might act up and I don't want to be embarrassed. So it's um, mealtime is a huge time for us. And then we always end the day on a high note and we have a fantastic volunteer band. And again, they ask, what do you want to hear? And one person said, oh, how about such and such? And it was an East Coast song. And the band leader said, sorry, we don't know that. But the next week he came back and he said, this one's for you. And it was from the East Coast and it was a jig, I think. So it's so wonderful that there's the flexibility, there's the participation, there's the humanity, the patience, the and like we said, it's all about you. What does the person you with dementia want? Right. John, what's your experience with UQuest been like as somebody participating in the program? I've, I've come to think and my, my thoughts about UQuest have changed over time and will probably continue to change. And the one aspect that really is ringing loudly for me these this last while, particularly since our program um, was not able to function during some of the COVID lockdowns and whatnot. Um, and I think one of the most important aspects of UQuest is the sense of community, that people can come, the participants who are struggling with some various types of dementia can come to the program um, and be with others who are struggling in similar ways. And so the conversations is, as people get used to the community, come in as a newcomer, get meet people and come a few times, they start to talk about some of their difficulties with the new friends that they've made in the group. So um, I think that while there is structure to the day and there is a plan as to what's gonna be going on, I think in my mind, one of the most important things is the sense of community that, mm -hmm. that people with dementia find with UQuest. And also it's our intention to support the caregiver as well. That's part of our mission. Um, just having respite is a huge support, but also the care partners meet each other and can share stories, which is so important. And we've really built a nice community with the care partners as well. We're hoping to expand on that and include more activities for them and their kids too. Without a doubt, you know, the participants are, do receive benefits from, from the program, but the caregivers really, I think, are benefiting tremendously from having a safe place for their loved ones. You also mentioned that participants get to decide what they want to do in the program, which I think it sounds like a really important 
aspect of the program and something that's maybe a little bit unique to UQuest. Mm -hmm. How did those decisions get made? And then what was the impact for, for participants of being able to make those choices for themselves? Well, I remember really clearly, right, in the, we, we started out UQuest as a pilot project for 12 months. And right at the very beginning, within the first day or two, um, we had a whiteboard and the recreation therapist led the conversation saying, okay, what is it that you would like to be doing? And, and people would mention something and that would get written onto the right whiteboard. And, and the conversation started maybe a little bit slowly, but then as people started realizing that their thoughts were going onto the whiteboard, they started coming up with ideas of, hey, we'd like to do this. Someone mentioned, for example, that maybe we could do something with the Calgary Flames. A hockey team and and so that went on the whiteboard and wouldn't you know a few months later well we went to a, a flames practice one day and and so we kind of had seating and, and whatnot so we spent some time watching the flames at a practice i think that it's also important to uh this aspect of listening because it can reduce the stigma and increase understanding of people with dementia a lot of people think okay you wake up with dementia one day and all of a sudden you can't draw a clock and your opinions don't matter and you don't know where you're driving to. But in reality, like look at John, we're going on our 15th year, uh, slow decline, but he has done so many wonderful things and is still very capable as are other people in our community. So when we ask them, do you want a hamburger or do you want chicken? It's more work for the rec therapist, but it's real life for the person. I mean, 20 years ago, they wouldn't have people ordering them chicken nuggets. And being heard, I think it gives them confidence and it makes them feel valued again. Yeah, so important when, when some of those things feel like they get taken away after that initial diagnosis. What advice do you have for other people living with or caring for someone with young onset dementia? I have a lot. <laughs> First, I would recommend that you simplify everything. We moved into a townhouse quite quickly because I didn't want him, John, I didn't want John on the roof or fixing fences. Um, we don't have a lot of drama or minutia in our lives. We just concentrate on the things that are important and make us happy. Also, uh, someone recommended to me, they said, well, as John's world is shrinking, it's important for me not to get caught up in that shrinkage and to keep my activities and my friendships and my learning all open and growing. I'd also say learn as much as you can from reputable sources. There's a lot of information out there and really it's a lot of it is um, not all that scientific. So I would stick with like the Mayo Clinic or Johns Hopkins, Alzheimer's Society, um, things like that, because you can really get bogged down by too much information. And the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and the Northwest Territories has some fantastic resources for young onset dementia. And um, I think even an online chat group for the younger kids. And I would also recommend highly to join a support group because you will need to vent. Um, sometimes your emotions are, are ones that you've never had before and they can be really overwhelming. And maybe you don't want to share with your friends, but you can share with a support group because they're non-judgmental. They've been there. And oftentimes you're going to hear things that are even worse than what you're going through. Um, our support group is now online because of COVID. So other people are still welcome to join us. Um, we get a couple of new people a week. And also um, with the group, you can find out 
what works for them. Some people were saying, okay, I'm trying to work at home, but my husband is pacing and agitated behind me. Like, how can I cope? So we go around the circle and talk about strategies that might be helpful. We also talk about, you know, what meds are good for hallucinations and which care homes are the best these days? What's to watch out for? So we covered the whole gamut. To keep it simple, remember to breathe, look at the day and say, this is going to be a great day. John's motto is to have a good day every day. And so that's what we try to do. Love that. How about for you? What advice do you have for, for people living with young onset dementia? The, one of the most important things for me is that that Cindy does well through this journey. And so I'm very happy that she does reach out, that she's developed more friendships than she had in the past. Um, She's got support. And and so to me, it's the care partners, the ones that that, um, are most important. With my experience with my parents, Early on, I knew that there was nothing we could do for my father. There was no medical treatment that could slow down. And it turned out to be Alzheimer's is what he had. And but um, it was my mother that that I, I thought took the brunt of the pain and anguish with a decline in dementia. And so to me, um, you know, I think the most important thing for me is knowing that that my wife is is as good as we can have it. I would just like to add that our dementia care team that's through Alberta Health have been phenomenal. We have a case manager who's a nurse and very warm and congenial and interested. And we've also got the social worker who's been a dream. I can call her anytime. So I'd like to give a big shout out to them. What do you want others to know about living with young onset dementia? Well, I think the, the one thing that's really important to me is I do try every day to have a good day. And uh, lately I've been saying things like I walk on the sunny side of the street and, and a storm can still set in on the sunny side of the street. But if you know that the sun's going to come back out again, you know, so I, I try very hard to just be positive. I don't think long term. I don't try and think what I'm going to be doing a year from now. I, I, I know that today I've, um, it's a busy day, but I, I plan on having a good day today. And so for me, that's one aspect that, I, that is important to me. And I think by having an a attitude like that helps my wife, helps my kids. And I think it helps, I, I, you know, at UQuest, people coming in, they're all having good days. And, and so that's really, I think, what the goal of UQuest and what my goal is, is just to try and have a good day every day and, and, uh, and I think we're doing a pretty good job at it. I'm just, you know, trying to live in the moment and to make that moment good. I would also like people to realize that, as I said before, you don't just wake up one day and you can't do anything. He is still able to do things. So when we're at a funeral or something and a cousin comes up and whispers, oh, how's John doing? That bugs me. I think, you know, go over and ask John how he's doing and he's not going to bite and he's not contagious. And I, I think people don't need to be afraid of people with dementia. Remember, it's a brain disease. You're not afraid of people with kidney disease. Um, if John were a threat to anybody's health and safety, he'd be he wouldn't be out in public. So I, I just wish that people wouldn't worry so much about saying the wrong thing and think more about, yeah, they, they still have a lot of capacity. Ask them how they're doing, ask them how the flames are and you know what they, what they think about our new mayor, things like that. 
Okay, well, thank you so much, John and Cindy, for, for joining us today and, and talking to me about some of your experiences. I know that this is going to be really helpful for others to understand more about what it's like to live with young onset dementia, how to live well with dementia, and great to hear about UQuest and how you've set that up in such a way that it's really a meaningful experience for the participants of the program. Thank you so much. It's been great to chat with you. Well, and I thank you very much too, Kathy, because it's great to talk to someone who's interested. And I, I appreciate very much uh, talking with you today. Cindy and John are very clear about how dementia has altered their lives and that of their children. But they are also clear about the strategies and supports that they have developed to have a good day. Both Cindy and John speak of the importance of communication between themselves with their children, peers, and the wider community. In mentioning community, I think of the community building that John and Cindy have accomplished through UQuest. You can find more information about UQuest in our note accompanying this episode. Calgary seems to be a very active community when it comes to supporting folks living with dementia and those who care about them. Our show note contains references to some of the other initiatives underway in Calgary. I want to give a shout out to Lisa Poole of the Dementia Advocacy Canada, who introduced us to John and Cindy, and to Roger Marple, whom we interviewed recently about dementia-friendly communities. Our podcast is working on stories of people who may not have been born in Canada or whose cultures and languages differ from what I call the mainstream. If you are connected to one of these communities and have some ideas about how we might include this experience in our podcast, please get in touch with us at dementia.dialogue at lakeheadu.ca. Thanks to Kathy and Jillian at the Brain Exchange for hosting this Young Onset series, which has two more episodes. Thanks also to the Center for Education and Research on Aging and Health at Lakehead University, our institutional partner, and to the Public Health Agency of Canada for its financial support. If you want to have our episodes delivered to your inbox, write to us at dementia.dialogue at lakeheadu.ca and we will make arrangements. Thanks for listening. My name is David Harvey.